0: again in this podcast I thought I'd get back to photography I've spoken um, if you're listening to these in sequence then I've spoken about some other things that relate more to conservation which is why I do what I do but um, I wanted to get back to photography itself so the point of this podcast is just to share some ideas give you some tips and give you some things to think about if you're planning on doing some wildlife photography yourself and I would recommend that if you have access to other animals it might be uh, you have a pet or there might be animals around Um, I have deer and squirrels where I am but um, I'm probably quite lucky Uh, but it's good to practice where you can so if you can find an animal to practice on that's great and um, it might give you some ideas and certainly help you with getting familiar with what camera settings and maybe even what camera equipment you need to be using. So let's start first of all by stepping back from doing the actual photography and a very good exercise is to get very clear about the kind of photographs you like, uh, particularly when it comes to wildlife. So if you're not clear the best thing to do is to go to somewhere like Instagram or maybe uh, BBC Wildlife or one of these other places where you can find images of animals, uh, particularly the kind of animal perhaps you're going to take and even better in the kind of environment that you're going to be in. And just take a look at the kind of photographs that you really like. What are the images that you would like to come back with that the that other people obviously have shot and I would recommend picking between three and five you don't need to do a lot but it's helpful to do that kind of number and then just have a good look at each one of them and get very clear about what is it about each of those photographs that you like is it the composition is it the way that the photographer has used lighting um have you got backlighting you know have you got a I'm thinking of a say a silhouette of an elephant with light behind it now you may not get the opportunity to shoot these because a lot of these things are down to being in the right place at the right time there's an aspect of luck um to a lot of these photographs there's also uh, the aspect of if you get to go out every day for six months your chances of getting a great shot are much better than if you're in one place and you have a chance to photograph six hours so be prepared to roll with it when you're away but it doesn't do any harm at all to just have some ideas in mind and be clear about how the photographers you like where you like their work have used certain things that as I say it might be the composition it might be the lighting it might be the way they've used depth of field there are many things so I suggest as I say look at between three and five And just break them down for each one in turn. What do you like about them? And maybe there are things you don't like as well. Write those down too. And then once you've done all five of them, let's say, look at what's common. What are the common themes um, in those photographs? So you might find that you come down to one, two or maybe three types of photograph that you particularly like. And that would perhaps be your shoot list, as it were, or your kind of core shoot list when you're away. So I do recommend um, just doing that. And the reason for doing it is that when you are taking photographs, you you do want to take the stuff you like because that way it keeps you inspired. It keeps you coming back. It keeps you looking to just push the envelope um, for your photographic capability, perhaps, to just get a little bit better and to start producing better work, work that you really like and you really enjoy and you want to share with other people. So I'm just going to go through a couple of things I typically do. They're fairly standard type shots. I'm going to start with a wide shot. And what would you need for that? So obviously you need to think about the equipment, probably a wide angle lens of some sort. My recommendation is that you don't go too wide because you begin to distort the edges of the um, image unless that's an effect you deliberately want. So if I was shooting full frame 35mm, I might go to 35mm as a focal length. I might go down to 28 but probably no lower than that. Um, and I tend to have a couple of um, short zooms. One of them will actually take me to 135 so I can use that. It's a, a sort of very short telephoto as well. So that's a really flexible lens, gives me a lot of options. And I've also got another one that's purely wide angle. So again, think about where you're going the kind of shot you want to take what is the lens that you need to use the next thing to think about is the composition so are you going to be using something like rule of thirds does that work for you are you going to be using golden ratio which is slightly different um, again go back to the images you like and start looking at them in that way look at how that photograph is composed and what has the photographer done have they got a lot of foreground have they got a lot of background you know is this uh, an image where coming back to this elephant silhouette i'm imagining i'm seeing it with the elephant itself very low down in the frame with a lot of sky so emphasizing space and maybe even making the elephant seem quite small against its environment or within its environment so these are the kind of things to think about and as you look at other Um, photographs just look at them through that lens if you like of looking how they've been um, put together now another thing to think about is have they been shot from a high position or a low position and I'll come back to that in a moment but it's again something worth thinking about where do you need to shoot from now if you're shooting wildlife you may be on foot sometimes you are probably you won't be if you're doing a safari something like that you will generally have to stay in your vehicle So is it best to shoot out of the roof? A lot of people, a lot of these vehicles, um, if they have full sides, uh, will have a roof that pops up and then you can stand up and shoot from that high level. But is that necessarily what you want? Do you want to be sort of shooting down onto your um, subject or is it better to try and get low? And if you can, open the window a little bit so you can at least stick your camera lens out and shoot closer to the animal's eye level. So have a think about that. And again, look at the photographs that you've chosen. What sort of position has the photographer used in the context of are they shooting from a high position or a low position? And speaking personally, I quite often find that shooting from a low position works much better. Okay, so that's wide shots. Another thing to shoot are portraits which is something I like to shoot when I'm photographing animals. Part of that for me is that the kind of photographs I want to take are not the same photographs that anybody looking at them would normally take themselves, and maybe even not the kind of photograph that you would normally look at when you see that animal. That can be quite a lot harder, and it depends on your luck on the day, basically. But it's something worth thinking about. So, again, with portraits, how are you going to use the light? Are you looking to shoot a headshot of an animal with a very dark background or do you want a very light background? Think about what works. What's the effect you want? What kind of mood do you want in that shot? Again, when it comes to the eyes, do you want to be shooting at eye level or do you want to be shooting lower or higher? So again, think about it. You may may not be able to do it when you come to take the shot, but it's worth having an idea of um, what you would like as an ideal Photograph to come away with, and again, what sort of lens do you need? Do you need um, a long lens? Now, the problem with long lenses when you start getting into long telephotos, they'll certainly give you the that close-up view of the animal. But what kind of shutter speed do you need? Again, g- generally with wildlife, I don't use a tripod, but there are certainly circumstances where you might need to rest the lens on something. It might be that you're on one of these vehicles with a pop-up roof and you just need to rest your lens on the roof. Now, there's a couple of problems with that. One is if the engine's running, often you'll get vibration coming through the bodywork of the car, so that can cause your lens to vibrate a little bit if you're hard on the metal of the vehicle. Um, Also, anybody moving about will tend to move the shot as well. That's true pretty much of any shot you take in a vehicle. But if you're um, taking the shot with the lens resting on the bodywork, it's even worse. So it might be worth either investing in something like a small bean bag that you can just put on the roof and rest your lens on that. Or maybe even a small pillow or roll something up that's fabric. Something that might help to dampen out some of that vibration. But whatever you do, you need to shoot with a pretty fast shutter speed obviously you've got that um the reciprocal law about minimum handheld shutter speed when it comes to um the focal length of the lens i would certainly recommend shooting as fast as you can but the problem you then have is that you slow down the lens you're not letting so much light in often um and um you need to balance out the depth of field you want so you want a long depth of field you want a narrow depth of field that would work better for a fast Um, shutter speed but you've got to think about these things so it is important to at least understand the exposure triangle and understand how your camera equipment performs in low light Um, do you have to can you only shoot on a bright sunny day with the equipment you've got you know be aware of the limitations and ideally have at least one workaround that you can use to give you a, a fighting chance at shooting something worthwhile if you're not in ideal conditions Now, another thing worth thinking about is what's the environment you're going to be shooting in? Because it's one thing to be on an African savannah on a bright day uh, where you've got great light. um, You can really pick what you like when it comes to shooting. Or if you're in forest or woods or somewhere like that where the um, amount of light is reduced and suddenly to get the right kind of shutter speed you're having to push your iso up so you're going to get a noisier image or you're working at lower shutter speeds so think about that as well so think about the environment that you're going to be taking your photographs in because because that may mean that rather than taking a long telephoto you take um, a shorter zoom so um, photographing gorilla's recently and also chimpanzees that were basically up in trees and we were in forest and it was very difficult really I although I took um, a 100-400 lens with me it really wasn't that useful and I didn't get much in the way of good photographs with it I did far better with um, this um, in fact this um, 35-125 to sort of wide angle short telephoto because it was a faster lens, in those situ- in those circumstances, I could get, and, it, and it being shorter, I could get away with slower shutter speeds and still stay steady. Obviously, the animal needs to be still, as well as you've got what the animal's doing is also a factor. But these are the kind of things to think about. And if you're not sure what your camera will do, then see if you can go off somewhere similar. If you're close to woods, for example. Maybe you can just go in the woods and try and shoot animals there or just shoot leaves. It doesn't really matter. But try and get a feel for what your equipment is capable of doing in low-light situations because that will also give you an idea of the limitations you have. You might be able to come up with some workarounds. But it's far better to do that before you go and start taking photographs rather than once you're there then trying to figure it out on the fly because you might be in a situation that you get to see these animals once and that's it so you've missed your opportunity so these are there's a lot of technical kind of stuff in in this to think about and i also want to bring this back to the visual storyteller so i spoke i've recorded another podcast called the visual storyteller and wildlife and i really want to go back to that a little bit and i want to pick up on the storytelling aspect really from the point of view of Um, the number of photographs you take, and So part of Visual Storyteller is to look through the viewfinder and what's the story you want to tell with that one shot. This is looking at it from a single-shot perspective. And that will dictate to some extent how you compose the shot, how you use lighting, depth of field, all of those things, if you start thinking of it that way. However, you can also tell a story using a sequence of shots and this might be something else that you want to do particularly if you're thinking as an end result rather than you might want to come up with a photograph you can put on your wall but you might want to come up with a photo book you might want to do something else with your work so again start with the end in mind where how do you want to finally use these photographs and think about how you want to sequence your shots so you might want to tell the story of the whole encounter it might start with some tracks in the in the on the ground Or it might be some spore, some could be dung, it could be um, um, broken vegetation. But whatever it was that told you that this animal was about, you know, take the viewer, the person who's looking at your photographs, on the journey with you. So, what was the proof that the animal was there? What was it that got you started trying to find this animal? And then how did you track it? That might be another sequence of shots. It could be you or the group that you're with or the tracker that you're with just working through the environment, maybe looking at the ground um, and maybe shots around you, the kind of environment that the animal is living in. I mean, one um, situation I had um, a few years ago now was tracking an elephant and we found a big imprints in the ground, this was sat, very sandy ground, where one of these elephants had been lying down. So that could be part of it. Um, Even dung beetles, what I found was that as we got close to the animals, the dung got fresher and warmer and all the rest of it. Um, But the dung beetles and the number of them changed. So there seemed to be different species depending on how old the dung was. So this could be part of it. You know, this is part of animal tracking. So it might be nice to tell that story because maybe not many people do. And maybe that would make your work little bit different and then when you found the animal hopefully you're lucky and you find the animal so what's the situation there Um, what happened when you found it what was it doing Um, did it react to you in any way were you or were you being very careful and staying um, upwind of it did it know you were there were you able to observe very much maybe it was feeding maybe you'd um, seen the um, the evidence of a hunt Earlier, and that was what started you to um, track the animal in the first place. So, think about that whole story sequence, and then you can finish it with some sort of image it might be one or two of you maybe leaving, or maybe afterwards you know, maybe you're congratulating each other if you're with a tracker or somebody else on, on having a good uh, track and actually being successful. So, you can tell a story that way. And use your photographs that way. And again, that will take you back to what is the equipment you need with you. Um, If you're going to track over any kind of distance, ideally it will be fairly light. Um, I prefer gear that's a little bit rugged as well, which tends to make it heavier, but there's that trade off. So think about it from the story perspective as well. So there you go, there are a few thoughts for you about photograph in wildlife and maybe that's given you some ideas if you are due to um, go away and, and do uh, maybe a trip that you're only ever going to do once maybe you, you you don't get the opportunity to do this very much so if that's the case I would absolutely recommend that you get clear on the kind of photographs you would love to come back with and then have a look at them and just decide what is it about the work that you really like What is it about it that the photographer's done? Again, is it composition? Is it lighting? All of those different elements that make up a photograph. Try and break these photographs down so that you're much clearer on what you would need to do if you were to photograph that scene, and that will help you when it comes to um, creating your own work. So have a think about what you like. Have a think about the kind of animals you'll be photographing, where you're gonna be photographing, um do you have to travel a long way maybe on foot to see them or will you be in a vehicle will it be dusty do you need to have some sort of cover to keep all the gear clean because you don't want a dusty lens you don't want to get dust in your camera so that it doesn't work um then have a think about what are the lens what kind of lens do you need to take with you ideally what kind of settings would you need to use to create the results that you want and hopefully there's some other things that have popped up for you while you were listening to this so there you go there there are just a few thoughts but this um, is this the kind of sequence or kind of thought process I go through uh, when I'm looking at um, packing because frankly I'm always (laughs) I always seem to be on the limit of my um, what I'm going to have to travel or at least it always feels that way so um, I always do a lot of kind of soul-searching Uh, When it comes to which equipment, I I would need to take with me because I'd love to take all of it. But that really isn't practical. So um, if you're in the same position, I would just go back and and have a bit of a checklist. It's nice to have a spare body if you've got one. It gives you a backup. But, um, you you know, if you don't, that's fine. If you're forced to take one, we'll just make sure it's working properly and um, obviously take good care of it. So there you go. As I say, I hope you found that useful and I'll speak to you on the next podcast. Bye for now. Just before I go, I want to let you know that there's a couple of ways you can support me if you feel so inclined. Uh, with the podcast, Buzzsprout, which is the um, the platform I use for with my podcasts, They have a subscription model, so if you feel that you would like to subscribe, a few dollars, a few euros, whatever, um, to the podcast, that would be much appreciated. The other option is my Patreon membership, so if you'd like to become a patron, and that starts at the price of a cup of coffee every month, you'll get access to exclusive material, behind-the-scenes material, photography tips, all this kind of stuff, depending on which tier you're at. So... There is some information available through my website and um, also on the, uh, uh, the written text to go with this podcast. So if you choose either one, thank you so much in advance. And whether or not you do, I hope you uh, continue to enjoy the podcast and let other people know about them. Thank you very much. Bye for now. Mm-hmm.